Life sometimes comes at us in waves. We're doing okay, and then the world just overwhelms us and brings us to our knees, sometimes figuratively and sometimes literally. Not always, but sometimes that overwhelming feeling is of our own making. We, we choose to take on too much. We look around and we cannot find any, any margin in our lives. And we, we can't find anything like that. We, we don't want to disappoint anybody. And so we just say yes to everything that seems to come along. And finally, under all the pressure, under all the lack of margin, we just break. But more often, the overwhelming feeling comes from just simply pressures brought on by life itself. Illnesses. Temptations, loss of loved ones, hurt relationships, all of those types of things added to just the daily pressures of life just cover us up with pressure. And too many of those things, too close together, and we just can't handle it. To be overwhelmed is normal. We don't seek it out, but it is part of life. It's part of being human. If we are busy... And if we are involved in the lives of other people, there will come a time when we are just overwhelmed by life. And if we're honest, sometimes that overwhelming feeling comes at the most unexpected of times. That's part of the reason we have that feeling. That certainly plays into the feeling of just being under that great pressure. It's the news that comes and just completely knocks the wind out of our sails, out of the blue. That is exactly what we see with Elijah. Our children know the great story in 1 Kings chapter 18. In fact, it's one of the stories we're going to look at in our vacation Bible school in a month or so. Where Elijah challenges the prophets, the false prophets of of Baal, that false god on Mount Carmel. God answered in a truly remarkable and amazing way. showed himself to clearly be the only true God. It was, to say the least, an amazing high point in the ministry or the work of the prophet Elijah. And then... In the very shadow of that moment, in the very midst of that great victory, Queen Jezebel, the wicked queen, sends messengers to Elijah, as we read a few minutes ago from 1 Kings 19 and verse 2, promising that he will be dead within 24 hours. Was Elijah an amazing individual? There is no doubt that he was. But he was, as amazing as he was, he was still just a person. He was just a man. And so chapter 19 and verse 3 of 1 Kings, and if you will open your Bible to that chapter, you'll have the entire outline in front of you right there in 1 Kings 19. But 1 Kings 19 and verse 3 tells us because he was a man, because he was just human, he was afraid. In fact, he was so afraid he ran for his life. And he's even so afraid that he calls upon God to simply take his life. He probably thought, much like David had thought earlier, that it would be better to fall into the hands of God than to fall into the hands of an enemy. Here was Jezebel, the wicked queen, in all of her fury, but also in all of her power, combined with the power of her husband, the wicked king Ahab. And he had to think, if I fall into their hands, there's no telling what they might do to to me besides killing me. So why not just ask God to do that for me, really, but really for them as well. There is no way to say it but to say that Elijah was completely overwhelmed. From a high point in 1 Kings chapter 18 to an extremely low point, he had fallen emotionally about as far as a person could fall in about as short of a time as a person could make that fall. He was tired. He was spent. 
He was not thinking clearly. He was scared. He was on the run. And maybe worst of all, the end of verse 3 tells us that Elijah left his servant in one place, and then verse 4 begins by telling us he went yet another day's journey. In other words, in this moment of extreme being overwhelmed, extreme difficulty, Elijah pulled away from even his human relationships. Maybe, just maybe, when you read this story, you know what Elijah feels like. Maybe you know what it's like to be overwhelmed. Maybe you know what it's like to have the pressures of life completely on your shoulders. And maybe in those moments, you don't know how to handle it. Maybe it's feeling overwhelmed by life. Maybe it's feeling overwhelmed by temptation. Maybe it's both. But even if you are not feeling that way tonight, realize that you will. As long as we have life, there is a good chance that at some point, something is going to come along and knock the wind out of our sails. Something is going to come along and overwhelm us in a way that we wonder if we can really keep going on. What can we do? Tonight I want us to look at this particular chapter, 1 Kings 19. And I want us to see four principles that helped Elijah begin to put one foot in front of the other. If you please, begin to put some wind back in his sails. And they are the same things that will help you and I in those times when we are overwhelmed. Tonight, if you are overwhelmed, I hope you'll take this lesson to heart. But even if you're not, I hope you will, because at some point, all of us are going to need to do this. All of us are going to have those moments in life. And the Bible is practical enough through the grace of God to tell us how to put one foot in front of the other. Number one, when you're overwhelmed, lighten your load. Lighten your load. In other words, we need to take care of the basics. Take care simply of ourselves physically and spiritually. We need to start with the basics. Too often, when we get overwhelmed, we we try to take care of that without taking care of ourselves. But verse 5, if you'll notice, tells us that Elijah lay down and slept. And then an angel from God gave the command to Elijah to arise and eat. Twice, Elijah in this context is given the command to eat because he was facing a long journey, literally and figuratively. Having done that, verse 8, the last verse that Connor read for us a few moments ago, told us that he went, Elijah went in the strength of that food or of that eating. When we're overwhelmed, it's easy for us to start putting together some kind of complicated master plan to get out of the situation. Instead, we need to step back at times and put together a simple plan to take care of ourselves. Lighten our loads and begin with the most basic things of life. Rest, food, water, and relationships. Just remembering to take care of the most basic things that give us strength Help us face each day and give us confidence. If we can remember to do those things, maybe we can take another step. Maybe we can put one foot in front of the other. There are two things to remember here. First is the negative effect of not taking care of ourselves. Listen to the words of one writer. He was actually talking about this context, but he was talking about this idea of of not taking care of ourselves. He said this, Exhaustion can make you turn emotional cartwheels. Fatigue can lead to all sorts of strange imaginations. It'll make you believe a lie. 
Elijah was believing a lie, partly because he was exhausted. So God gave him rest and refreshment. And afterward, Elijah went on 40 days and nights in the strength of it. It's one of the reasons we have things like food groups that are so important. When a family's hurting from a loss or when someone is recovering from a surgery or another difficult time, they need that physical strength. Even if they may not think they do, we need to remember the negative side of not taking care of ourselves. But also, lightening our low reminds us of the gracious gift of God. Remember earlier in the life of Elijah, God had helped him by having birds bring him food, his daily food. Those were days when there wasn't much. It was just eating, but just getting through the day was all Elijah was really concerned about. But those were also days, even though there wasn't much physically, where Elijah was simply dwelling in the strength of the Lord, relying on God. The food he received here in 1 Kings 19, we're not told exactly what it was, but it probably brought that other time back to his mind. Even the simple gifts of rest, of food, of water, should remind us of the grace of God in moments when we are overwhelmed. When you are overwhelmed, lighten your load, step back, take care of the basics of life, get your feet underneath again, again underneath you. Number two, when you're overwhelmed, listen to the Lord. It is in this setting, with this story as the backdrop, that Elijah looks and listens for God in various parts of nature. Starting in verse 11, there's a strong wind, there's an earthquake, there's a fire. And every time we're told that the Lord was not in those things. Now, we're not, we're not told what that actually looked like or sounded like, but for some, some way, Elijah saw these amazing, grandiose things and realized God was not in those. Instead, we're told at the end of verse 12 that there was the low sound of a whisper. And it was in that whisper that Elijah heard the message of God clearly. Now, this is not teaching that today God speaks to us audibly in some sort of clear or still small voice. That's not what we're trying to say. But there is still a clear principle here for us to take. And that is that God does not have to do the grandiose or even the miraculous to reveal Himself. Instead, He simply has already revealed Himself in Scripture. And His counsel is still good. And it's still right. But I like the words that God spoke to Elijah. It's a very simple question found in verse 13. What are you doing here? Elijah, do you see what God is doing for the prophet in that one simple, straightforward question? I don't think he's necessarily chastising or rebuking him. At least that's not all that's tied up here. But there is a sense in which that simple question from God is meant to begin the process of pulling Elijah up from despair. Of pulling Elijah up from the pity that he feels that he is in. Think of what is implied in that one question. What are you doing here, Elijah? Just a short time ago, Elijah had been there on the mountaintop, had seen and shown the power of God. He could not have had a stronger faith in God than he had in 1 Kings chapter 18. And now, literally, hours later, he's hiding. Not necessarily from God, but from a human. And one who is obviously not a believer in the Lord at all. In other words, Elijah, how did you get from up on that mountain to where you are now. What brought you to this low place? What brought you to this place of despair, of fear? I think it speaks well of Elijah that he does talk, but he doesn't try to out-talk God. He has some problems. We'll talk about that in a moment. But he listens. 
When we're overwhelmed, we need to listen to the Lord. Romans 15 and verse 4 reminds us that, among other things, the Scriptures provide for us both comfort and hope. In times when life has overwhelmed us, we need to hear from God through the pages of Scripture. Probably the most obvious example of that is how often families, in time of the loss of a loved one, call a preacher to share a thought from Scripture, either with them after the loss or at the funeral or by the graveside. I don't know how many times. It's many. I've been called to to ask to read, for example, the 23rd Psalm as part of a funeral service. At a funeral I conducted once not long ago, the, the now widow asked me when I was at her house following the death of her husband, she said, write the lesson. But then she said these words, please just take me to the Psalms. I need to find my strength there. And so I worked up a lesson based on some of the Psalms. But it's not just the Psalms. God has filled Scripture from beginning to end with passages that put wind in our sails. We see His promises always fulfilled. We see His mercy to those who are downtrodden. We see Jesus, when He is on the scene, always helping those who were put down by life. We see encouragement to be confident, not arrogant, but confident, no matter what might be going on around us. But still, it falls on us to be willing to listen. All of those things are in Scripture, but I must be willing to open my mind, to open my heart, to hear what God would have me to know. We cannot just move ourselves away from the perfect Word of God and expect to know how we are to proceed honoring Him. Whether it's opening the Bible yourself, having someone read to you, listening to sermons, when life overwhelms you, get into the Bible and listen to the Lord. I have a preaching friend about the same age as my dad, coincidentally, a few years ago, his family suffered a horribly painful time. They lost one of their children, very suddenly, very tragically. Just a few hours after that loss was suffered, an old friend showed up at his door, their door, literally, suitcase in hand, and moved in for a day or I believe it was two days, maybe three. But during those couple of days, the older friend just sat and listened, and it was his turn to talk simply opened the Bible and would read verses, read passages that I know my preacher friend could quote without even thinking about it, but that he needed to hear, simply to bring peace and to bring comfort. And I've heard my friend say on more than one occasion that he knew the Bible made a difference, but having someone willing to bring him the passages he so much needed in the moment made all the difference. When you're overwhelmed, listen to the Lord. You need to hear from your Creator. You need to hear from your Father. Number three, when you're overwhelmed, look to be realistic. When life is overwhelming, one of the most difficult things to do is to keep a proper perspective. To really keep a realistic perspective. To make sure things are still straight in our minds. But still, if we can do that, it helps so much. Sometimes it shows that things are not as bad as they seem. At other times it shows that things really are that bad. But it helps us to know, am I really tackling the right problem or the right situation? Elijah needed to be reminded of that. He's despondent, but he's also not realistic. In chapter 19 and verse 14, speaking to the Lord, Elijah lays out what he thinks is the full problem. I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. Now pause right there. 
So far, everything Elijah has said is true. They, they had not killed all the prophets, but they had killed the prophets. They had not followed God. All the things he has said so far is true. The situation is bad, but Elijah wasn't done. He went on to say to God, And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Now the very last thing Elijah said was also true. After all, Jezebel had sent out to have him killed. They were seeking his life. But in the middle of all that truth, Elijah was believing one thing that was not true. I, even I alone, am left. It may have seemed as if Elijah was the only one who was faithful. But God knew that Elijah was not really alone. But he also knew that Elijah needed that information. And so in verse 18 of our chapter, God said to Elijah, Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees who have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Now admittedly, 7,000 compared to the entire population of the nation is not a massive, huge number. But Elijah also needed to realize this. 7,000 was not zero. Elijah, you're not alone. It may seem as if you are alone, but you are not alone. At times, those who are overwhelmed need someone to step in and tell them clearly a realistic look at what they are facing. You see, it's easy when we're hurting to exaggerate. Not because we're we're just downers or because we're just trying to be negative, but it's just easy to lose perspective. Sometimes people throw a self-pity party But sometimes they're just exaggerating because they're just not thinking clearly. Life has so overwhelmed them that their mind just isn't working as well as it it should. Instead, we need to look realistically so we can know exactly what we're facing and begin the process of working through it. But one word of warning. If you're the person who's trying to help, who's trying to give a realistic look to the one who is hurting and the one who is overwhelmed, speak kindly, but you don't lie either. You see, sometimes it's easy to sugarcoat the truth and provide a picture that's too positive instead of a realistic picture when a situation is grim. Sometimes the best thing we can do to help somebody else is to be loving, yes, but also be blunt. We need to speak lovingly. We also need to state exactly what's going on. A couple of years ago or so, I guess about three years ago now, my dad went through some very, very significant health, scare, health situations. We were very scared. And involved in that whole process, they spent a day in Nashville. Of course, we were living there at the time at one of the hospitals having tests run. And I, I took the day from work and went and sat with him and through all the tests and all the things. And he was scared. We were all scared. The doctor told him what she thought the situation was. She ruled out this and ruled out this and ruled out this, but said, it may be this, it may be that. And here's what we're going to do to treat it. As that day was coming to a close, we were sitting in one of the waiting rooms just waiting for some paperwork or something. And just out of anger, frustration, everything else, my dad said, well, I've just wasted a whole day. It's hard sometimes to be the child and talk to your parents, right? But I looked at my dad and I said, Dad, we found out today you don't have cancer. That sounds like a good day to me. It's realistic. It wasn't a wasted day. 
Yes, it was frustrating. Yes, it was overwhelming. But it wasn't as bad. As difficult as it can be, do your best to remain realistic. Look to be realistic. And number four, very briefly, when you're overwhelmed, lean on others. Have you ever noticed that it's in this context, with Elijah at his lowest point as the background, it's in that context where Elisha enters the picture. And yes, I get them mixed up too. Okay, Elijah, why couldn't the other guy be Bob? That would be a whole lot easier. But Elijah and Elisha. It's, it's here that Elisha comes on the scene. He may be the most well-known of the people, but he's not the only one that God gives to Elijah to help him pick up from this low point. Notice verses 15 and 16. And the Lord said to him, that is Elijah, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall appoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Molecha, you shall appoint, anoint, excuse me, to be prophet in your place. Elijah, you've got work to do. And I almost made that a fifth point, but I decided not to do it. Elijah, you've got work to do, but what's the work? You put other people around you to help you. The two kings that are anointed are probably done basically just to start putting some things back to normal. Just nationally. Put things back on a proper track. But then Elisha. You you pick Elisha. You anoint him to be prophet in your place. Elijah, your work's not done yet. But one of these days it will be. And you go ahead and anoint Elisha now. Because he's going to help you. And you know that for the next several chapters of 1 Kings, these two walk side by side. Elijah and Elisha. Elijah the mentor. Elisha the student. But ultimately, Elijah and Elisha the friends. Too many people, when they are overwhelmed, just retreat from people. They don't want anyone in. And by the way, this is the part where Leah is going, Adam, would you please listen to yourself? I'm preaching to me. This is me. I do this. When I'm overwhelmed, I just want to be with me. I don't want to let people in. If you do that, you will stay overwhelmed. It may be an awkward conversation, but ask for help. It may go against your personality, but seek out a friend. You may think it's a sign of weakness, but have someone who will lift your burden with you. And of course, I cannot help but add that the church should be the place filled with people that you can lean on in times of struggle. For emotional to spiritual support, those who can, to, to those who can do things like cooking and cleaning and other tasks that just need to be done, this right here should be the number one place people turn when life just overwhelms them. But I must also add that we cannot always know every struggle that every person has. If you are hurting, if you are grieving, if you are overwhelmed, please let the church know so we can do what we can to help. But by all means, when you are overwhelmed, lean on other people. God, through His grace, gave Elijah the other prophet, Elisha, and basically said, you walk together. And from this point on, Elijah continued to do amazing things until he was taken into heaven. The Bible is amazingly practical. Here is an account in 1 Kings 19 that most of us know, but it's easy just to read this account and go, well, that was an important time in the life of Elijah. That's, that's a pretty neat story. But there's always a practical side. Because it causes us to open our eyes when we realize that those 
who are even as faithful, as dedicated as Elijah was. They had moments when they were despondent. They had moments of despair. They were overwhelmed by life, just as you and I are or will be. Aren't you thankful that when Elijah was at his lowest point, God did not cut him off? God did not say, Elijah, you were just on the mountaintop, you shouldn't be here, that's it. Instead, the Lord gave Elijah everything he needed to simply put one foot in front of the other. God knows every struggle you and I have. God knows because He is our Creator that at times life will overwhelm us. God knows because He is our Father that sometimes His children hurt. Even God with us, Emmanuel, Jesus, was clearly overwhelmed in the garden. And so, He knows, as the song says, each pain. He sees each tear. He understands each lonely heartache. He understands because He cares. And so elsewhere we sing, When peace like a river attendeth my way, or when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, Thou hast taught me to say, It is well. It is well with my soul. I'm so thankful that we have had people the last few weeks willing to come forward, sometimes to be baptized, sometimes to be restored. And if you've noticed in a handful of cases, some who have just said basically what's going on in this story, I'm just overwhelmed. Life's just hard. And that's okay. This is the place to come. These are the people to say, I'm just hurting. I'm just overwhelmed. Tonight, I don't want to play on your emotions. That's not what I try to do. But I do want to make a very specific statement about responding. Of course, we want someone tonight to say, I want to become a Christian. Of course, we want that. We always want that. Of course, we want someone who may be a Christian who says, I I haven't been living the way I need to live and I want to return in faithfulness. Of course, we always want that. But tonight, I want to say something very specific and from my heart. Tonight, maybe it's not sin. Maybe it's just that life is overwhelming. Maybe life is just pressing in. And like Elijah, you just think, I'm just not sure. I can put one foot in front of the other. All God asks you to do is to trust in Him and take the first step. And He will give you everything you need to handle when life is overwhelming. And tonight, in just a moment, we sing the invitation song. If you will take even one step out into these aisles, I or Tyler or one of the elders are going to come meet you and help you take the rest of the steps down front. And we're going to encourage you through prayer. I pray that someone is one tonight to say, you know what, that's exactly what I need. Is my brothers and sisters in Christ praying with me, giving me the encouragement of prayer, And then when the service is over, the encouragement of some words, some handshakes, some hugs. Because we're the family of God. And God has comforted us so that we may comfort others. Tonight, is that your need? If so, will you come to the one who provides comfort?
and to the people who will give you comfort. As to go, we stand and as we sing.